It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this very special edition, I'm joined once again by the brilliant Mike Stavrou. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, Harry. How are you, mate? Yeah, not bad. There was a little bit of a delay there. I thought, what, what's going on here? What's going on here? But there was a little bit of a de- <laughs> delay. No worries. Um, hello, everyone. That's in the chat, that's listening to this back, that's watching this back. I can see lots of you in there already, already discussing. And I want to say a big welcome, uh, first of all, to a brand new member uh, to the channel. And that is Craig Tanner. So, Craig, thank you so, so much for signing up. It is very, very much appreciated. Uh, Pleasure to have you on board. Make sure you join the Discord server as well. You'll find the link in the membership tab. Uh, and make sure you come over there and uh, join in with all the fun. Uh, right, on this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest with regards to, to James Madison and Arsenal's pursuit of the player. Now, this is the third live stream of the day today. And on the last one, I was joined by Jake Watson of TalkSport to get the Leicester take on this, to look at it from the opposite side of the road. Is there a chance that James Madison comes to Arsenal? What kind of player is James Madison? And Jake, as always, provided some excellent insight. But since then, it's emerged that Arsenal have offered three players. Now, I don't think they've offered all three of these players at once, but they've put three names on the table of players that they would consider including as part of a package, along with cash, that would see James Madison move from the King Power Stadium down to London and to the Emirates specifically. And those three players are Joe Willock, Reese Nelson and Ainsley Maitland-Niles. So, Mike, what we're going to do is we're going to talk through the three players. We're going to talk a little bit about their Arsenal career so far, what you make of them, what you think they're valued at and whether you'd keep them or be looking to move them on during this window. And we're going to start with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. First of all, what are your overall thoughts on Ainsley Maitland-Niles? And um, were you surprised, I guess, to see him named as one of the players that could be on the way out? No, whatsoever. Not whatsoever, Harry. I mean, he came out recently, didn't he? And he said that um, if I'm not going to be given the opportunity, then I want to go. I think that was quite brutally honest, really, from from a player. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that, but he, he basically was saying that um, you know I've, I've been on the fringes and I want to know now, essentially, what... Um, what the clubs and what Mikel Arteta's position is. that So that surprised me in a way, but it spoke to me of a player that isn't happy, um, that views, you know, his, his mind elsewhere. Obviously, he went out on loan in January. Um, and I think it's not a surprise at all to see him. Um, I think he's had prior links with Leicester. I think he would link with them before. So it makes sense why why they would uh, offer him up again. Um, my overall thoughts on Easy Mate and Niles, it's a bit of a weird one because... At the very base of it, I see him as an extremely talented player um, for for multiple reasons because of his versatility. He's played 
uh, at both fullback, wing back on both sides and in midfield. Um, I think he's got a lot of raw talent. He's definitely polished. Um, but I think the sort of player is there and it's just about what we've molded into molding him into. And we've molded him into a fullback, which is what he doesn't want to be. He wants to be a midfielder. He hasn't been given the opportunity there. Some may say that's a bit harsh. Others may say, well, you know, he hasn't shown enough to warrant a place uh, such as centre midfield for the Arsenal. But then you could argue and say, well, you know, we've played Mohamed Onani many times. Um, is is he better than him? Debatable. But yeah, my, my overall thoughts are a great player, but if he doesn't fit into the team, Harry, and he's not rated by the manager, then he's got to go, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, for me with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and, and I've had this kind of discussion over and over again over the last couple of years, I think the key point that I take from what you said there was the versatility. I think you're absolutely right in the sense that we have moulded him into something that he essentially doesn't want to be. And I think that's the big issue that Ainsley Maitland-Niles has at Arsenal. That's the kind of breakdown, isn't it? The club don't see him as a centre midfield option, but he seems to be very confident in his ability to play that role and to play it to a very, very high standard. Now, I've always kind of, I don't know, I've, I've not warmed to Ainsley Maitland-Niles as much as some others have because of what I believe to be a bit of a kind of, I don't want to say the, I don't want to say lazy because that might be harsh, but his kind of casualness at times annoys me. It irritates me. I think sometimes you're looking at young players you know, and you're thinking, well, they should be full of buzz. They should be full of enthusiasm. And I don't really always see that with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I think it's very visible when he's not happy and it's very visible when he's not playing where he wants to play. And I compare that in complete contrast to somebody like Bukayo Saka, who came in, was tasked with playing in a position completely alien to the one that he wants to play in, but took that opportunity with both hands and now is reaping the rewards for it. Now, I'm not saying Maitland-Niles didn't do that when he first came into the side, because he did. But I think Maitland-Niles is, is playing a dangerous game here because I don't believe that Ainsley Maitland-Niles, the centre midfielder, will go on to have a very good career. And it, I guess some people will, will, you know, argue or disagree on what constitutes a good career. I don't think he'll have a top half of the Premier League career playing as a centre midfielder. I just don't see it. I don't think he's got enough. I don't think he's physical enough. I don't think his technical ability is so outstanding that you can put up with those maybe things that he's lacking in terms of strength and stature. I just, I don't see it with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. But if you're talking about Ainsley Maitland-Niles, the fullback, or Ainsley Maitland-Niles, the wingback, I think it's a completely different proposition. I think he's incredibly quick across the ground. He's got really good recovery pace. I think he's calm in a sense that he doesn't panic when playing in tight situations. And when I talked about him being a little bit too casual and sometimes coming across as lazy, I think that in some ways that can be a benefit as well because it's composure. You know, at times he looks very composed. And one of the things that took me aback when he first came into the side was how composed he looked and how calm and, and collected he looked in some really high-pressured situations. But for me, Maitland-Niles is just not doing himself any favours by insisting that he's a central midfield player, went to West Brom on loan because he wanted to play there, probably should have joined Southampton, probably should have joined Leicester City, who, as you correctly pointed out, were also interested in him at the time. And I feel like now, after a disappointing second half of last season, where he didn't really shine, I don't think, at West Bromwich Albion, 
I think his stock has dipped even further. And I think there'll be a lot of managers that will look at that and say, yeah, well, you know what? I think Arsenal got a point here. I don't see you as a central midfielder, not at a club anyway, anywhere near the level that Arsenal are aspiring to be. So me, I would move Maitland-Niles on. And, you know, I guess the next question is, what would you kind of say is is a fair valuation for Ainsley Maitland-Niles? And we've got to consider the English premium. We've got to consider the fact that he's homegrown and all of that. If you were in charge of Arsenal Football Club now, mm. what would you, what kind of price would you be putting on his head? Well, I think um, last summer Wolves were quite interested, weren't they? I'm not sure if they did actually make an official bid, but I was reading that it was one in the, in the region for, of about twenty million pounds. It is what we wanted from Wolves. Um, that didn't go through. So if you go on another year, Harry, uh, he didn't have a great year. And as you say, he got what he wanted. He got to play in central midfield in the Premier League, albeit for a team that, you know, doesn't play total football. Um, but that's very kind, Sam Allardyce. Plays terrible football, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll add. Um, doesn't matter. He, st- he still got to play centre mid. That was his position. That's what he wants to play. And he didn't excel like um, some other loanees did that I'm sure we'll talk about. But... Yeah, so his stock has fallen, um, and I would say that the price has fallen. So if we were looking at maybe 20 to 25 million last season, I'd say about 10 to 15. Um, and in reality, if we're, if we're taking that in terms of um, trying to get a bit of money off Madison, it's not much really, is it? Like if, if they want 70 million, it's not really a huge amount. We're still going to have to beat the, uh, the price that we paid for Ben White. Um, and shelling out over 50 million to, to get Madison if if they even want Maitland-Niles, which I'm, I'm not sure they do. So whatever happens, it's going to be a huge, huge sum we're going to have to pay. Um, do, do I see us doing it? Probably not, to be honest. No, me neither. Um, but kind of going just on, on Maitland-Niles and guys, put your valuations in the chat. We'll read through some of those. We'll share those as well uh, with the people listening on the audio who don't have the benefit of uh, looking at the live chat box. But I guess my valuation of Ainsley Metlin-Niles would be around about the £15 million mark. And I'm only being that generous and that kind because of those things I mentioned, the English premium, the fact that he is a homegrown player. And the problem here is that if you're asking me what he's worth in the sense of because he can cover so many different positions, then I would increase that valuation further. But it's no good signing Ainsley Maitland-Niles to be a utility man, investing tens of millions of pounds in Ainsley Maitland-Niles because you feel he can cover various positions if he's going to throw his toys out in the pram and doesn't want to play there. And and this is the problem for me. I think his insistence and an almost downright refusal to play at wingback or fullback is actually holding him back, holding him back from what could be a very, very decent career. And I'm actually frustrated for him. And I do think that when he yeah. looks back at this in the future, he'll probably regret it. Let's get some of the valuations from you guys in the chat. Uh, Tebow says 12 million. Uh, Craig Tanner says 15. Akshat says 12 to 15. Patrick has been a little bit more uh, ambitious in the valuation. He says 20 million at least. Um, what else have we got? There's a couple of other bits in here. Bad Boy says 10 million. Uh, Jamin says 15 million i think he means not k that would be peanuts um uh christian has put ainsley maitland niles at 10 mil um and yeah 
that's uh, that's some of the valuations that we've got here. Uh, Brad's gone eight million. Poor last season, and the clubs know that he's not wanted. That plays a part as well, doesn't it, Mike? When the club make it quite clear that you're not part of the future plans, then it's then very difficult, isn't it, to go out in the market and demand a sort of loftier fee. Yeah, let's not forget, this is not a selling market, Harry. It's been so difficult for, for us, um, for every single team to sell players. Um, and I think we're, we're at, in a bit of a difficult position because you look at where we finished, eighth, two seasons in a row, um, players on big money, senior players that have underperformed and we're still not able to shift them. Like like Grand Jacques had a great Euros, um, had a good year and we're still not able to shift him for, for what I think 20 million that we, we wanted for him, which was, you know, it's an international with so much experience and, and Roma just wouldn't buy him. So I think that tells you everything about, about how the market is at the moment. Um, he's got two years left on his contract expires in the summer of 2023. That should help us a little bit, but even still, um, I don't think he would sign a new one um, like Jacka is doing uh, supposedly to boost his value. That, that's, that's what I think is happening anyway. So, we're in a difficult position. There's if there's not much interest, clubs will lowball us, and it's sort of like, for me, I don't want I don't want this to sound harsh, but it sort of reeks of desperation um, when you're going to less than from three players, uh, three players who, in especially the case of Maitland Niles and Nelson, who are fringe players at best. Willock has you know done well alone, but again before that he was a bit of a fringe player too. So I think it almost weakens your position a bit. I, I don't know if that's harsh or not. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think it looks great from an Arsenal perspective. It kind of shows that we're trying to do anything and everything to lower that Leicester asking price. I think with the Maitland Niles one, it probably makes a bit of sense because he was somebody that they'd been interested in, in the past. But I think when you start adding the others into the mix, you're talking about Reese Nelson, you know, he hasn't even got a game at Arsenal. And now you're talking about Leicester, you know, or, or pushing him, forcing him onto Leicester. And, you know, that that I agree with you, that does reek of desperation a little bit. Just you mentioned Granite Xhaka there. I don't know if we've spoken since the Granite Xhaka news came out, the news we that he is. Harry. But I've that seen that you've been very happy on uh, on Twitter. It's not even that I've been happy, Mike. It's, I'm not even like happy about it. I'm, I'm just, I don't understand the outrage about it. Mm. I, I just can't get my head around how people can sit there and, and look back at last season and come to the conclusion that he was our biggest problem. I just, I, that is mind boggling to me. I just don't get it. I mean, what is your thoughts on the offering of a new contract? Because we had Elliot from Arsenal Vision on. Uh, yesterday and he was adamant that giving him the contract was was the wrong decision and that it was a decision that really the club didn't need to make at this stage because he still has two years left where do you sit on the Xhaka uh, thing and then I know we're going off on a bit of a tangent but I, I, I really want to know what your thoughts and feelings are on it well mate I'll just say like I bet you were like you were happy in a way because you like him but raging because it will put this saga to an end if he finally yeah. wasn't an Arsenal <laughs> player anymore you just wouldn't have to talk about Jack. I mean wouldn't it be great like not to have to talk about Jacka either criticizing him or defending him uh, but yeah it looks like we will have to um so as a contract I think it's just asset management to be honest because he's going to stay for another season um and then after that he'd have a season left so rather than that that thing that we do letting contracts run down into the final year um you know everyone's panicking is he gonna go is he gonna stay i think we've done the business nice and early it's put an end to, to of the drama that's been going we i thought anyway he was gone i i literally thought 
Xhaka was gone to Roma. I thought he wasn't going to be an Arsenal player anymore. Um, maybe it was a case of we were looking for his replacement and we couldn't find anyone that fit. We couldn't find anyone for the right price or that were willing to sell. Because as I was saying before, you know, players aren't being sold at the moment for, for whatever reason. Um, there's a lot of factors. Um, I think it might be the latter only because of the comments that he made before the Euros you know, sort of hinting that he was going to go, the club know what I want to do and all, all this sort of stuff. Talking about Mourinho as well. I think in his head, he was maybe gone. Uh, something's obviously happened. The club haven't been able to get a deal. And whatever you say about Xhaka, he's professional. So if the club said to him, look, um, we've not had a suitable offer for you or we've not been able to find a replacement, he would have said, you know what? It's not particularly what I want, but... I'm gonna I'm gonna stay and fight anyway. I, I, I can never see Xhaka as a sort of player like <clears throat> Harry Kane to uh, not turn up to training, um, not to put a shift in because he's he's that man, isn't he? He's the mentality man. As many deficiencies as he does have, um, he's gonna he's gonna put a shift in. So yeah, that's that's my two cents on it. I think look, I, I still don't think Xhaka is the answer. Um, I don't really see us winning titles with him him in our midfield. That's not to say that he'll be the only four, but. He does make mistakes. Um, I would like to see someone more mobile. But at the end of the day, the way I see it, we weren't going to get anyone better in, in this current summer. So it makes sense. That's the thing, isn't it? It's it's all good wanting to move someone on. But f- in order to, to move someone on and start from scratch, you need to be bringing in someone that is at a better level. And I think that what you said is, is probably spot on. I think the club did scour the market. I think the club did look at, different options and I think they probably found that what they could get for around about the 30 35 million pound mark was not necessarily or not guaranteed at least to be an upgrade on Xhaka they've had a word with the player they've discussed it they've come to the conclusion that actually the funds that we do have available would probably be better spent in another area and um and and let's keep hold of Xhaka but we'll go back on track and we'll we'll continue with our discussion about the three young guns uh, that this podcast is of course themed around but before we do that just a quick reminder that this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com so for all your male grooming needs head over to manscaped.com make sure you check out the lawnmower 4.0 i can tell you that's an awesome bit of equipment you will not be disappointed and neither will your partner so get involved manscaped.com enter the discount code 90min20 and you shall receive 20 percent off of your order as well as free shipping so you stand to save yourself a big chunk of money Mike, another one of the players that is being linked with a move to Leicester as part of the James Madison talks is, of course, Joe Willock. Now, Joe Willock went out to Newcastle on loan last season and ended the campaign in fantastic form. I mean, I couldn't have been happier for Joe Willock because I've always maintained that Joe Willock has talent. He has a knack for being in the right place at the right time. And he's incredibly effective when he makes runs into the penalty area from deeper positions. My biggest concern about Joe Willock was that he didn't fit into what Mikel Arteta is doing. And so to see him go out on loan, play in a team that did suit his style and be able to watch him flourish off the back of that was pleasing as an Arsenal fan. But where are you on him now? Would you be keeping hold of Joe Willock? Is there a price that you would say is a price that would force you almost to sell him. Where are you on the whole Joe Willock situation? Yes, yeah, so I want to 
preface it by saying that I am a huge Joe Willock supporter. Um, I watched him when I was doing a few academy games a few years ago, and uh, he was he was one of the players in under twenty threes at the time, and he was just a cut above the guy. You could just see it just ooze class, like the way like he takes the ball on on the half term. He's he's a uh, he's knack for for goal. Like everything about him just said to me, this is the next guy after Saka. This is the guy, and it's not quite worked out. Um, I think similar to to Maitland-Niles, he's got an idea of, of where he wants to play Willock, and he only really thrives when he's in that specific role. And as a youngster at a big club, you can't do that. You need to just you need to just fr- be able to adapt to different positions. And I've seen him play off the right. I've seen him play off the left for us um, a bit deeper and he very much is that box-to-box midfielder and and that's it. And especially in a team where we control a lot of possession, I don't think he's refined enough yet, Harry, in terms of his technical abilities on the ball um, in order to justify his play above the um, Smith-Rowe. You know, uh, uh, talking about the midfield, well, he's not going to get in ahead of uh, Jacques Roy party and I, d- I don't really think he fits that role I think he's better as a, a sort of number eight breaking forward um so he did sensationally at Newcastle we all know that um one little caveat there is that of course he started um starting and then he was used more of a, as a super sub which tells me he's an he's an impact player and it looked fantastic. And don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away from any of his achievements. He was incredible, you know, to to break that record as well as he did as a player on loan. You could just see what it meant to him. And it was a great feeling for for one of our own to, you know, hit the hit the big time like that. But in terms of coming back, I'd, I'd look at it again. And if we're going to persist with this 4-2-3-1, where does he play? He's not going to get in as the number 10. He's not going to get in as, as, as one of the sixes. So I just don't really, I don't really see him fit him in. I think if we can get the asking price that we reportedly want, twenty-two and a half million, you've got to take it. Yeah, and I'm of the same opinion. I've I've always said that. Well, I've said over the last couple of months at least that I don't think Joe Willock's value ever goes higher than what it is now. I think it's at its absolute mm. peak. And so, if you don't think he can make it at Arsenal, if you don't see him as part of the plan, then now's the time to cash in. And I guess for me. You know, the, the point about being a, a bit of a super sub and an impact player is, is a really valid one, because what that tells me is that Joe Willock kind of flourishes when the game is stretched, when, uh, you know, your team is playing on the counter attack and he exploits the spaces and the right areas, despite starting from deeper positions because he has incredible fitness. And that is even more kind of visible when he comes into a game for the last half an hour or so. So I do agree with that. And I don't think that Joe Willock is the kind of player that will sit on the edge of the opponent's box, receive the ball, turn, play it right, get it back and kind of make you guys tick. I, I don't see that in, in Joe Willock. I don't see that quality. I don't imagine him picking out passes, defence splitting passes in a game that's very, very tight. That's just not what his game is. He's a bit like a kind of modern day Frank Lampard, if you like, you know, he, he gets forward, yeah, he gets in bit. the right places. But I, you know, when people talk about the Lampard, Gerard, and Skulls debate, I actually think Lampard was the least good of those three players because I think that the other two had greater technical ability, a greater football mind. Lampard had that knack and, and that is part of obviously being an intelligent footballer of getting in the right place. 
but that's not always enough. You have to be so good at it, like Frank Lampard was, to make a career out of it. And Joe Willock is not at that level yet for me. So if anybody came in with 15 million plus, I would take it. And um, and I think that would probably be the smartest move. The other player being linked uh, with that potential uh, move to Leicester City is Reese Nelson. And this one baffled me, Mike, because you talked about forcing kind of fringe players onto Leicester City and why that feels a little bit desperate and embarrassing. I mean, with all due respect to Reese Nelson, because he's one of our own and, you know, Obviously, we want Arsenal to play to, uh, to do well, and I, and I really like the kid. But what has he done that would interest somebody like Leicester City right now? He had a good loan at, at Hoffenheim, Harry. Oh, that was that was a while <laughs> back, wasn't it? I mean, and even that, yeah, you know, yeah. e- even there that, Mike, even that, people have told me that in the second half of the season he was half the player, and I, yeah. I don't know for sure because I didn't watch it, but. You know, yeah, that's, no, that's what I've heard. Yeah, he hasn't he, he hasn't done anything. Plainly, he's he's always been a talent, a prospect, and he's never stepped up beyond that. Um, I think he lacks a lot of things um that, that we have in our squad in, in abundance, um, in terms of what you want from from a winger. Um, you know, he's got pace, he's got a bit of trickery, but the final ball isn't there. Um, is he ever gonna play for us? Probably not. Yeah, I don't see a future for him. Um, so why would why would Leicester, who are currently in a better sh- shape than us, want him? It doesn't make sense. They don't even play with with wingers. They they play with wing backs um, and two strikers. It none of it makes sense. It's sort of like, oh, uh, you know, we've got this player who um, had a good loan at Hoffenheim three years ago. Uh, you know, do, do you want him? Do you want him? Do you want to? You know, it's it's just it's a little bit ridiculous. Um, I'm guessing maybe it would be um, Willock and Maitland-Niles and Nelson to maybe give us like an extra few million. But I think we'd be lucky to get five million for him. I, th- I think five would be a bit generous. So I don't know how that will play in this situation. I just want to say, I can't see a scenario where Arsenal give less than three players. I think what what's right. what's happening here is that Arsenal have maybe named those three players as players that they'd be happy to include as part of the deal. But I don't think the idea is to give all three of them to Leicester City. That'd be bloody crazy. Why would Leicester City take um, sort of three kind of Arsenal fringe players and and shave a significant amount off of a transfer fee for a player that they they value very highly, obviously? Um, just a quick one for those of you watching us live or watching this back on YouTube a bit later on. Please do hit the like button because we have over 350 of you watching us live right now on YouTube alone, but we've only got 56 likes on the board. So we should be able to get that up to 100 uh, with no trouble. Hit the like button, doesn't cost a thing, and subscribe to the channel, of course, if you're new. Uh, Let's get some of your questions in the chat box as well for the last few minutes. So pop your questions in, put a little cue at the beginning. Um, Mike, we didn't give a value. We did give a, I gave a value for Joe Willick. Did you give a value for Joe Willick? Uh, No, I said that if they offered 22 and a half million, um, I'd be over the moon. Um, my valuation, and I, I agree with you actually, just, just on that quickly, I don't think it's going to get higher. Like I've had a conversation with someone recently and they were like, yeah, but you know, he had, he had such good end to the season, give him another full season. And he, he could, he would hit like, um, you know, 10 plus Premier League goals. And I was like, yeah, but it's a huge risk. Um, he's come in to prove a point to us that he should be playing for us. I'm not going to say what further motivation does he have, 
but it's like nigh on impossible to, to live up to what he did last season. He broke records last season, a player who's not had much Premier League football. So I don't think it will get higher. I would say his valuation is about eight, 18, 19, I would say. Okay, so we've got 18, 19. Get your valuations as well in the chat box for Joe Willock. And on Reese Nelson, you said that we'd be lucky to get 5 million. Yeah. I think I, think I agree with you there. I think if someone offered three to four million pounds, you, you probably take that. Some people are going to say that's crazy, but we're talking about the market today as it stands. Mm. And we've seen it's incredibly difficult, isn't it, to shift a lot of these players. So I'm going to say three to four million on Reese Nelson. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll, I'll say five. I'll say five for him. Okay, interesting stuff. Get some of your valuations in there as well. Let us know the player because we've talked about a couple of players there. I can see some of you throwing numbers in, but I don't know who exactly it is you're talking about. Uh, Jamin Williams says uh, Willock 20 million. Uh, Peter Jambo, I'm assuming that's for Willock, says 25 million. Craig says 15 to 20. Uh, Fido says 30. Uh, wow. Chris says Willock 25 mil minimum. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, lots of you, or well, some of you disagreeing with the 5 million valuation of uh, Reese Nelson. Tebow's gone with 8 million for Nelson. Craig says 5. Uh, Shandri says uh, Willock is 25. 10 for Reese. Interesting. And Alex has gone 20 for Willock, 15 for Ainsley Metlinars, and 8 for Nelson. Uh, so lots and lots of uh, different valuations. Uh, my old man is in the chat and he says, Reese Nelson, 12 million. On what basis? What has Reese Nelson done? <laughs> Going in to, on your dad. <laughs> to, to justify, well, I couldn't do it to him because he can take it. But what has, what has Reese Nelson done to justify a 12 million pound price tag? If I was buying him and I said, sit me down and show me why Reese Nelson is worth 12 million pounds. Is he, is he even sc scored and assisted 12 in com combined? Probably not. Not even half that. Probably not. Let's, you know what? Let's have, Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Because I, I'm just thinking now. I, I can't recall him scoring. Like, I don't think he scored more than like three goals, Harry. To be honest, because I can, ex I can accept the kind of slightly inflated valuations on Ainsley Maitland-Niles and on Joe Willock. But I'm really struggling with Reese Nelson. Stats by club. Here we go. So for the Arsenal first team, he's made 47 appearances uh, in total. He has scored four goals and provided four assists. So eight goal contributions in his entire sort of senior career at the Arsenal. That, I mean, I just, if I was a buying club and Arsenal yeah. came back with that valuation, I'd look elsewhere. And away. a lot, a lot of them would be Europa League as well. Um, yeah. You know, against the likes of Dundalk. So probably should be doing better than that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, right. Let's take some of the questions in the chat. Uh, this is interesting as well, because, Tebow says, what had Rian Brewster done? Of course, Liverpool sold Rian Brewster to Sheffield United last summer for mega, mega money. That was a deal that completely flopped. In answer to your question, what had Rian Brewster done? Absolutely nothing. But I don't think there are many clubs that would have their pants pulled down the way Sheffield United did over that deal, because that was pure madness. Said it at the time. Sheffield United was so desperate to bring in goals and to bring in a striker that could help increase their chances of survival that they just went crazy and they blew the money on Rian Brewster. You know, it's, I really do think that that was a really strange deal. And I don't think you're going to find many, many clubs that will be that naive, especially not at this point. 
not during the height of a pandemic, not during the time where club revenues are at the moment starting to find their way back to normal. But there is that risk, isn't there, of the winter coming along and bang, everything shuts again. So I do think that clubs will be a little bit more responsible. And and a couple of you in the chat are saying that Nelson certainly has talent. I don't doubt that the kid's got raw talent. I'm just saying that if I were another club looking to take him away from Arsenal and I put the feelers out, asked you what you'd be looking for roughly, if you came back to me with a figure of 12 million, I would run a mile. Um, and and I, I genuinely mean that. Uh, Poor Tony. Yeah, Poor <laughs> he's going to call me up after this. Yeah. Don't you ever do that again. <laughs> Uh, hold on a second. Let's pick out um, <clears throat> some questions. Uh, apologies. Just uh, scrolling through the chat. There's so many comments. I've lost where I was uh, and now I'm desperately trying to find them. Um, Farouk says, why are we talking about all these players leaving when there is no mention about sideways El Nenny? Mohamed El Nenny is one who, you know, isn't good enough if Arsenal want to go on to the next level. But he's also the type of player that's quite happy to be a member of the squad and just happy to be at a club like Arsenal Football Club. Is he a priority in terms of players that we need to move on for you, Mike? Would you be looking to move him on? Or do you think he can play a role? No, I would, I would, I'll keep him. I think there's literally no point selling him because, again, we're talking about fees. What are you going to get for any Five, four, three? Two, like, what are you going to get for him? There's, I don't, I'm, we didn't pay much for him either. I think he's the sort of player where, as you said, no ego. He's not going to be bothered about having to play on the bench, um, start on the bench, sorry. Um, and he can give you some good performances at times, good energetic performances, like uh, against United at Old Trafford last season, next to, next to party. He was brilliant. You know, people were singing his praises saying we wanted to start every game. So, um, there's a there's a few flip floppers in Arsenal fan base to be fair, but I just think he's that sort of player where he can do a job. He's not going to do anything exciting. He's not going to win your league either. But in terms of where we are at the moment, you can rely on him, and that's the important thing. What what we're saying about a lot of these players is that, like Maitland Niles, you wouldn't be able to rely on him in the centre mid- midfield because he's not played there enough. He's not played at the highest level there. And you just wouldn't trust him to throw him in. Whereas El Nenny, if you know you throw him in, yeah, you're probably going to get a six out of ten. Um, but he's he's going to get the job done. So no, he's not. He's he's low down on the on the players that I would I would sell this summer. There's so many more that I think need to go. I think if you want to take the team forward, you do have to be rid of players like Mohamed El Nenny. But we're not at that point in the evolution yet where you can no. bin them off because. Like you said, he's not a spectacular player. He's not even a he's not a, a top player. But you could trust him from time to time to at least do the basics. You're going to get ten out of ten effort wise. And if we couldn't get any money for Granite Xhaka or any significant money for Granite Xhaka, who was playing week in week out, was a vital cog in our team. Then what are we going to get for Mohamed El Nenny? Uh, Alex says, guys, are Arsenal including Willock in the deal? to alert Newcastle that they need to stump up the funds. Otherwise, they'll lose him. That's an interesting little theory there. Uh, Do you think there could be anything in that? We know that Newcastle have a long-standing interest in Joe Willock. Do you think that these reports are being deliberately leaked in order to give Steve Bruce's side a little bit of a a kick up the backside and kind of tell them that, well, if you're not going to take him, then there is a chance that he'll end up elsewhere? I don't think so. I think... 
what would make them stump up the the, the price would be interest from other clubs, not us offering him. Um, because don't forget, he's being put in in the same offer as Reese Nelson um, and Maitland Niles, who who have not been as good as he has been. So I don't think so. Um, but I think if if Newcastle want him, they need to they need to come get him. I I don't think um, a loan deal is the is the best option for us. Um, because as I said earlier, it's going to be extremely difficult for him to repeat the season that that he had to keep up that form. So right now, if we could get around twenty million for him, take it because it could. If we, if we loan him, he doesn't perform as as well as he did. He can go half that at the end of next season. So you you need to take that chance. We need to try as much as we can to make that deal with Newcastle permanent. He's not a player I want to see let go for, for a cup price fee, though. So I think it's, it's a difficult one. But I think Newcastle really want him. Like, Steve Bruce has openly spoken about how he wants to keep him. So if they can stump up the money, it's a deal I can definitely see getting done like towards the end of the window. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either. Uh, there is some reports coming through to us right now while we're live. Uh, with regards to Romelu Lukaku's future. And I did talk earlier on on one of our episodes about how Romelu Lukaku's future could have a knock-on effect in Arsenal's pursuit of Lautaro Martinez. And it seems that Romelu Lukaku has asked Inter to accept an offer from Chelsea, to accept a suitable offer Ooh. is the term that was used. So it looks as though Romelu Lukaku could be uh, bound for the Premier League once again and a return to Stamford Bridge. Now, that would, in my opinion, significantly reduce our chances of landing Lautaro Martinez because I can't see Inter selling both of them. Uh, first of all, my reaction to that, Lukaku back to Chelsea, mm. and then we'll talk a little bit about the implications on Arsenal there. So when I, when I first heard this one, I was a bit surprised because I, I thought to myself, you know, Lukaku was a player who um, wasn't given a chance by Chelsea first time around, barely played went out on loan a few times. And even w w when he did do well out on loan, he ended up getting getting sold, didn't get a chance, um, went to Everton eventually, was sensational there. And then he got his big money move finally. You know, he went to Manchester United. This was his time to to prove everyone wrong. And yeah, look, he had it. He he wasn't incredible. Like there, there were clear faults in his game. Um, I think what annoyed United fans was, you know, they went on about his first touch, you know, not being a, a clean cut, link up man. And that's fair enough. But he he had a decent goal scoring record. Um, I think you sort of have to build your team around him. So I think that was a little bit unfair. And now he's gone to Inter. He's got his respects from, from the footballing world, um, you know, fired them to the to, to the first Scudetto in, I think, 11 years it was for Inter. He's, he's done it, had a good Euros. For me, it seems strange why he'd want to go back to Chelsea. Does he have something to prove to himself that he can be you know, one of the best strikers in the Premier League? Or does he does he want to prove Chelsea fans wrong or the Man United fans wrong that, that doubt him? I, I don't know. It, it seems strange. I get it in a sense because Conte's gone. And that probably played a huge factor because he he absolutely sang his praises about you know, the individual work that he did with him to improve him as a player, and that's fair enough. But I don't really understand it, to be honest. I mean, for well, Chelsea's perspective, it's an incredible move. I think he's he's at that stage in his career now where he's got that mentality and he will score like twenty five goals easily, like no matter what system he plays in. 
right now. He's just at that level where nothing can stop him. And it's a bit scary from an outside perspective. But for me, yeah, as, as I said, the deal doesn't make a whole load of sense in terms of why you'd want to go back. What I would say is the Romelu Lukaku of today is a much more sophisticated and advanced version of the one that we saw at Manchester United. You mentioned the work that Antonio Conte's done with him, and I think that work was incredible. Uh, and he really, really helped take the players' game to a, a completely different level. I think Chelsea, when you look at them last season, particularly under Thomas Tuchel, were an incredibly efficient and you know effective outfit, the Champions League winners. And you looked at that team so many times, didn't you? And you said, if only they had a top, top draw elite striker. And Romelu Lukaku, for me right now, is that. And yes, it's going to cost an absolute fortune. We know they had an opening bid of eighty-five million pounds rejected. We know that they were supposed to be going back with an offer of about a hundred and a hundred and ten million pounds. So this is going to be a big money move. But I think it's a wise move for Chelsea in terms of Lukaku. I'm actually a little bit surprised that he wants to come back to the Premier League. I thought he'd found a home in Serie. I thought he'd found a home in Inter. He's adored there. He really, really is. But I guess money talks. I'm sure that Chelsea will be able to offer him a far more lucrative financial package than what Inter could at this moment in time because of the, all the issues they have going on there. And I think you're right. There's probably a bit of, I want to come back and prove myself in in this thing. And, and I'll be interested to see how this pans out. But I do think it, it probably will happen now. The fact that Lukaku has gone to that extent and to to make the club aware that he does want to move is mm. massive. The departure of Antonio Conte is certainly a factor. I agree with you. Um, I, for all the things he said publicly, it, there was no indication that he was unhappy with the appointment of Simone Inzaghi because let's be honest, Simone Inzaghi has been one of the best managers, if not the best manager pound for pound in Italy over the last five years. He's been excellent. He's done a really good job with Lazio. And he plays a very similar way to Antonio Conte, tactically, stylistically. So in theory, not much would have changed for Romelu Lukaku. But obviously, something has because this, the money's coming in and uh, and he wants to move. It's going to be crazy, isn't it? Imagine yeah. Romelu Lukaku back in the Premier League. It's, it's mad. Yeah, considering some of the strikers we've already got here, you know, he's talking about Harry Kane, one of the best in the world, Lukaku, one of the best in the world. I mean, the the, the Premier League is just the the hub for for everything once again. I feel like it it fell a little bit behind Harry for, for a while, but when you look at, at the squads on show right now, like the fact that Man City are dropping a hundred million on on Jack Grealish, I mean, that deal would not be done anywhere else in the world. It just wouldn't. It just wouldn't happen. And as much as you know, people are unhappy with that. Um, in terms of the squad they're building, I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, this is a player who, as much as I love Jack Grealish, I think he's sensational. He he didn't play at the Euros. He wasn't picked by his by his manager. Um, you know, he's never played in the in in Europe and uh, at, at club level. And there's a lot of money to drop on them. And the, the fact that there is so much uh, that Man City is spending, I mean, that they want Kane as well. It's just, it's going to be exciting to watch. I mean, it makes me scared because it's like, how on earth are we ever, ever going to get back into those realms again? We're just so absolutely far behind. Like I was talking to my to my barber today um, and <laughs> we're having a chat as you do. And uh, we're saying, you know, what would, your, what would you be happy with uh, this season? 
and um, he was saying sixth place. And it was like, you know, a few years ago, we were absolutely lambasting Wenger for only just getting us into the top four. And I was like, mate, I would love to finish in the top four right now. So it shows you where we are as a club, how far behind we are. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a big diversion for Lukaku. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. But as much as it could hinder Lautaro joining us, I think it almost makes Tammy Abraham a very easy target now um, for for a decent fee because he'll be looking at that saying, you know, he probably wanted to go anyway. I bet. But now, you know, a top striker, he's, he's gone surely. See, I'm glad you bring a little bit of realism to the podcast because while you were thinking about it opening the door for Tammy Abraham, I was thinking about it opening the door for Erling Haaland to come to Arsenal instead of Chelsea. <laughs> but there you go. There you go. I'm I'm living in cuckoo land, clearly. Yeah, you no, are, but you're, you're right. You know, it's um, it's worrying as an Arsenal fan when you look at the clubs that are above us and you look at the fact that they have brought, you know, for example... Romelu Lukaku could be coming in. You look at Manchester City, Jack Grealish is coming in. You look at, uh, you know, and potentially even Harry Kane. You look at Manchester United, Jadon Sancho, Rafael Varane. And you do wonder, don't you, when you're seeing Arsenal kind of ticking along in the transfer market, signing Ben White, who I do like, but, you know, we're not signing players on the same planet as the players that these clubs we're supposedly trying to be hunting down are. And it's a big worry because you do feel like at least on paper, the gap is getting bigger and bigger and it's a massive, massive worry and a massive concern. But I guess the flip side of that is when you see what they're able to do financially in the transfer market, you kind of have to give a little bit more sympathy to Mikel Arteta and say, well, we want him to turn the team around straight away. We want him to close the gap on those sides, but he can't go and sign a striker for over a hundred million pounds. He can't go and sign a creative midfielder like Jack Grealish for a hundred million pounds. We're shopping in a completely different bracket. It's like shopping in Waitrose or shopping in Audi. There's no problem with either side of them. I, you know, I shop in Audi. I'm not ashamed or to say Audi. it. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that they're just different levels. That's why the pricing is so yeah. different. And we can't compete on that level. And it, it is a big worry. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Just finally, to wrap up the show, um, transfer window is is still open, obviously. It's still around about well, the best part of a month to go. Have you hit the panic button yet with regards to Arsenal's business? Um, no, not panic button yet. Um, but again, I think we have to be realistic, unfortunately, about where we are. And I think Ben White, as sad as it is, to, to think it probably was our, our big money signing. I don't think we're at the stage where we can drop, you know, over 150 million, 200 million on players, which if you're bringing in someone like James Madison, you know, 70 million, 60 million plus uh, Reese Nelson, 58, whatever it is going to be, plus, plus another player. We can't do that at, at this moment in time, personally, in, in my opinion. Could happen, but if if you look at the window last year, Thomas Partey was our was our big money signing, forty five million. I think it's going to be a similar sort of level to that. Um, if you ask me who I want to see, obviously I'm going to tell you I want Lautaro Martinez, I want James Madison, um, I want another midfielder, I want Cooper Myers. But realistically, Harry, it's it's not going to happen. So. What I want to see us do now, if we can't spend the big bucks, I want smart signings. 
um, and I want to see a few outgoings. That's that's the major thing for me. I think player to Bellin, you know, watched him the other day. The absolute howler um, against Chelsea, past traits to Tammy Abraham. I mean, this guy just doesn't shouldn't be in the squad anymore, plainly. And I would actually rather have Ainsley Maitland-Niles as our, you know, backup right back if he would play there um, over Hector Bellerin. No disrespect to the guy, but I just think he's he's time at Arsenal is eclipsed now. Um, by smart signings, I mean someone like Tammy Abraham for thirty million. I think that's a steal. I think that's that's the sort of player we should be going after. Um, and I hope we hope we do it, but I think they're going to take it down to the final, the the final whistle. To be honest, in terms of transfer market, I think it, it will go down to the to, to the last the last few days because I don't see anything in the in the reports at the moment that suggests we're advancing any of these you know big moves. So yeah, sorry, I've I've depressed everyone now. Sorry, guys, but I did that. That's just my take on it, being as realistic as I can. Yeah, yeah, you you have depressed me a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, but <laughs> no, no, you you make some good points. You make some good points. Um, again, if you haven't done so already, make sure you do hit the like button because there are now over 400 of you watching us live on YouTube. But again, we're a little bit short in the likes. We're only on 108. Let's get up to 150 at least. It should be very very easy. Um, Mike, how can people keep up to date with your work? Follow you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter uh, at Mike underscore Stavrou. I do tweet about Love Island sometimes, so I hope that's not lost me loads of followers. Oh, not another one. <laughs> not another one. Not another one. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, I do. I'm a big Love Island fan, so um, I am watching it and I will be tweeting about it. So apologies in advance, but I do tweet about Arsenal as well, so follow me. How many episodes are there of Love Island in a series? How many episodes? Well, how how many weeks does it go on for? Well, how good is, how good is your maths? So it goes on for eight weeks, and there's six. Eight times six. Right, so he's getting his calculator out. Right. So there's forty eight episodes, right? Roughly, yeah. Okay, forty eight episodes, an hour each. That's forty eight hours of your life, yeah. two days and two nights of your life that you spent watching brain dead idiots sitting around pretending they're in love with each other and basically flexing their muscles in a mirror you're never going to get that two days back mike and when you're an old man you'll want those two days back it's better than watching historias do horko which is a greek uh, soap opera that harry probably watches and it's the most driest tv (laughs) program in the world any Greeks will know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's basically like the, the Greek Easters, but a lot more dramatic. But it does have a good theme song. But um, yeah, I'd rather watch Love Island than that, mate. So, yeah. It does have a good theme song. And for the record, I don't watch that. Not, not anymore, anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, we're going to leave it there. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the like button on your way out. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you'd like to become a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. And make sure you check out our sponsors, manscaped.com. We'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content. My thanks to Mike, and I'll catch you all very, very soon. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.